Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. It is getting toward draft time. We are in April. We got the draft this month, and it's going to be time to start talking some drafts. So I'm bringing E.J. Snyder from Bootleg Football back on the show. Last time we were talking Senior Bowl, and gosh, the time has flown by over the month of March. I feel like, you know, you and I probably experienced more drama through the month of March than either of us really wanted to deal with. But uh, glad to have you back, EJ. Thank you so much. You're right. March disappeared. I've been buried in this very room, uh, covered in piles of all 22 tape and uh, lots of Twitter posts, keeping up with everything draft, trades, pro days, uh, because, of course, there's no combine this year. So it's it's gone by in a hurry. But we are actually in the month of the draft. And that's crazy. Yeah, it's cool, but it's crazy. And you're not even going to even touch on the the Bears drama that I was trying to hint at there, huh? No, <laughs> no, I'm not. Fair enough. I'll, I'll leave that to the season. Uh, we don't. Yeah, we don't know exactly what's going to happen there. The, I, I do believe just to answer your unspoken question, the Russell Wilson stuff is well down below 5% now. And there are some Seahawks fans that believe it never got above that. That's not true. It, it, it did top that threshold. Uh, I don't think it ever kind of got over 50%, but it, right now it's it's sort of a, a dull murmur in the background. It, I, I doubt very much actually it happens this year. It's still possible, but it's like a crazy one in 10,000 shot on the outside. Okay, I'm, I'm glad you had it in the perspective of where I, I feel like would have been a healthy percentage for a, a Bears fan to have a belief in because I, I felt... Like there were a lot of Bears fans that almost viewed it as a certainty for a while. And I don't know it was just because it's the offseason that they wanted to feel that way. Uh, but, no, you know, the offseason can be to, fun. Why not? It has nothing to do with the offseason. It has everything to do with not having a very good quarterback, uh, a top level quarterback in the organization since Sid Luckman. Right. And, you know, that's that'll do that. <laughs> like damn near 80 years worth of a drought will make people do silly things. Yes. You want to do just about anything to make it happen. I, and I, I can, I feel bears pain in that regard. I don't feel the pain of 49ers fan because I, I want them to be bad as long as it's possible. <laughs> and I, I had a little bit of a concern then this last week when the 49ers trade two future first round picks. And I, I do want we're going to be talking about Seahawks cornerbacks in this episode. But I, I do want to touch on this because I know that that you and Brett on bootleg football were talking about quarterbacks here recently. And this trade that the 49ers made two future first to move up to the number three overall it it has me worried because this does seem like a good quarterback class. And even if they are picking third, I feel like all they have to do is get a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. And that doesn't seem like it should be hard. Uh, well, it's always hard. Let's not skip that part because uh, this time of year, hope springs eternal, right? Sure. It's springtime. Everybody's got a chance. The draft is still here. Uh you know, the draft is still in front of teams. Uh, draft picks are gold and they're all going to work out and they're all going to be amazing. Bottom line is that's not the case, especially with quarterbacks, even first round quarterbacks. Right. If you look back to like 2017, not that long ago, <laughs> prior to 2017, for about six years, none of the first round quarter, there's one first round quarterback still playing, still starting for the team that they were picked at one. Right. That's that's a terrible hit percentage. And that's the draft. Welcome to the draft, folks. That's that's the deal. So all these people that are dead set that 
Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. I don't care. It's it, it's nothing against any of those guys. They're not all going to work out. Chance the likelihood that all four of the top guys hit and work out and stick with their team is nonsense. Like it's possible, it's really not likely. So it's always hard to get a quarterback. Quarterbacks will almost certainly go one two. We can talk about one theory where they might not. Trevor Lawrence is all but assured to go to Jacksonville. It's very likely that the Jets will pick a quarterback. Now, that could be Fields. It could be Wilson. Um, Zach Wilson, not Russell Wilson, just to <laughs> not, not, not raise any blood pressure in Seahawks land. Um, but the bottom line is, if you're the, you don't trade up into three unless you're comfortable with both of those guys, right? With Wilson and Fields. And you right. say, we could get either one and either one will work with our system. And we like either one. We like their build. We like their makeup. We like their game. We think that they can elevate us, just like you said, above our current incumbent quarterback. You don't give up that much capital unless you're moving up and moving up for quarterback, quite frankly. Yeah, because um, I've seen some people suggest out there, well, maybe they aren't moving up for a quarterback. And gosh, I just... I have a hard time thinking that any player out there would be worth taking that risk of two future firsts. You don't do it. It, it the draft capital, uh, although we just talked about how sort of fungible it is and, and what a lottery ticket it is, uh, it's too valuable. And you are rarely, you want to rarely be in the position where you can be in the top 10, where you can have a shot at a top quarterback to be where they were and to say, no, no, We've still got to dump more capital into this and move up right into the rarefied air. Top three. You don't do that unless it's a quarterback. You just don't. Like, there are some very, very good players in this draft. Kyle Pitts is a he's a unicorn. He's a blue chip player. He's a once in a five or ten year offensive weapon. Still not worth it. <laughs> like, you still don't give up two firsts. I don't know. And, Pitts and Kittle put those two on the I, same team. I, trust me. Anybody <laughs> that loves 12 personnel is just, they need a minute in their bunk by themselves. <laughs> if they're thinking about Pitts and Kittle lined up in the same formation, it would be amazing. But that's as, as mad genius uh, of an offensive coordinator as Shanahan is. And yes, I know he's the head coach, but he's largely the offensive coordinator as well. I'm sure he dreams about that stuff. You don't. And John Lynch is there to check him and say, we're not trading two first for a tight end. I don't care what you say or wide receiver. It doesn't really matter. Hit rates aren't any better on those positions. They're just yeah. as bad. It really is about the most pivotal position. in I believe all of sports, which is quarterback in the NFL. It is. If you have one, you've got a chance. If you don't have one like the bears, you're doomed to mediocrity or worse. Like that's, that's just the reality of the modern NFL. So there's no reason to dump that much capital if it's not a quarterback. So it's most likely Wilson or Fields. Now, the, the tinfoil hat theory that I mentioned earlier is that Robert Sala, mm -hmm. the former defensive coordinator of San Francisco, is now the head coach of the New York Jets. They hold the number two pick, and he brought with him Guess what? Some colleagues from San Francisco. So it's kind of like San Francisco East at the New York Jets. You have train. to think that there's there's at least the potential for some communication between those two sides. Right. And the and the tinfoil hat theory is that Sala reached out to Kyle and Kyle and said, "Hey Kyle, we're going with Darnold. We're going to load up. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to put as many weapons around Darnold as we can. We believe in him for at least another year or two. And if we're bad, we'll get another shot at another quarterback. So go ahead, get who you want." 
and it's possible. I don't much believe it. I think the Jets, too, will take a swing at quarterback because if they didn't and Darnold flopped, they'd look pretty silly for not having taken that shot. Um, they would most likely at that point get another shot, but that's beside the point. Um, I do believe that they'll probably end up taking quarterback, but the tinfoil hat theory is Salah reached out and said, hey, go to three because you can have anybody besides Trevor Lawrence you want for a quarterback because we're not picking a quarterback. Well, and, and so, well, in that regard, though, even if it's not a quarterback, say he reached out and said, yeah, we've already made our decision. This is who we're going to take, because I think that's one of the things that people have a little bit of, of troubles struggling with of moving all the way up from 12 to three is not having a really good idea who it's going to be. You know, you go back and you look at some of those those trades where teams have moved up into the one or two position, not the one position, but the two position, the move uh, move up for RG3 uh, that Washington made back in 2012. Mm-hmm. That's probably, you know, one of the, the better examples of it. The move up for Carson Wentz, the trade up. I, I don't know if you count the Trubisky one, but, uh, you know, that was a trade to number two. You know, you're, you're getting... You know, everybody bags on the Bears for trading up from three to two in that spot. But I went back and I, I looked at, gosh, when the Chargers they traded gave, up from three to two for Ryan uh, yeah. Leaf, um, they gave up a, 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 a haul to just go up one spot. The bottom line about those trades and the Trubisky one or any other one is, you know, they traded up for Mahomes. The Chiefs traded up for Mahomes. They oh, yeah. traded up for Watson. Right. The bottom line is, if it works, you're a genius. It doesn't matter. Nobody cares about the compensation. Yeah, if but everybody get, was bagging on the Bears as soon as that went down. They're like, oh, they could have had that guy anyway did, at number three. They did, but if you look at relative compensation for Watson or Mahomes, which were both in the same draft, you know, I, I've heard that at least. Yeah, I they gave know. up, what, like a third and a fourth to go up one yeah. spot. It was hardly anything. Yeah, nothing. But the bottom line is, if it works and that guy becomes a leader of your franchise, becomes a pro bowler, becomes an all pro, takes you to the Super Bowl, any of that stuff, Nobody cares. Everything's forgiven. Draft picks are, you know, completely worthless at that point. If the guy bombs, how could you have wasted the draft picks when they were all these amazing players? Hindsight's twenty twenty. The bottom line is, if you trade up for quarterback and it works, nobody cares. If you trade up for quarterback and he bombs, everybody cares. All right. Well, EJ, I'm going to put you in the position of John Lynch. You're the GM for the 49ers. You let, let's say, you know, who's going number one and number two, and you have the third pick to spend on a quarterback. Who would the 49ers go with? Yeah. Again, if they're moving up to three, they have to be comfortable with either or and either or is Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. They have to be comfortable. You're not with both buying into the Mac Jones stuff as being a third pick overall. I, I like Mac Jones a lot. I'm not buying into the idea that he is in the stratosphere of quarterbacking skills that Justin Fields has. Now, I'm a Mac Jones guy. I like Mac Jones. If Mac Jones were to fall, and he's not going to, if he were to fall and he was there at 20 and the Bears took him, I'd be completely comfortable with that. I was not comfortable before I did my full workup on Mac Jones. After I did my full workup on Mac Jones, I was like, Mac Jones is better than anything the Bears have in the barn. And that was pre-Andy Dalton, but even post-Andy Dalton, it's at least equal. So I'd be fine with him at 20. At three, it's a lot of capital to give up for a guy like Mac Jones. Now, I like Mac Jones, but I think he's much more comfortable farther on down. I think it's kind of starts at the Panthers, 
easily I could see the Patriots picking him. Absolutely. Belichick and Saban are good buddies. Uh, Jarrett Stidham is not really an obstacle to Mac Jones starting. Like I could see Mac Jones doing very, very well in New England. Um, and like I said, if he slips all the way to 20 or even to 15 and the Bears traded up to get him, okay, fine, whatever. You don't have anything. You went and got a guy that can play very well. Is he in the same stratosphere as the top three, which is really what we're talking about at pick number three, or the top four with Trey Lance, who's got some amazing physical skills, but a limited number of starts and and throws under his belt? He's not. Um, you know, Justin Fields is a more talented quarterback uh, physically, and I would say an equal quarterback mentally. He is close in accuracy. Mac Jones is the most accurate quarterback, both short and deep in this in this class. Mac Jones does not have the arm talent. Justin Fields does. He does not have the mobility. Mac Jones is not running a 4-4. Now, people say Mac Jones is immobile. That's not true either. He's in the middle. He, he moves well enough. Um, is he going to be a great boot and rollout quarterback? Not really. That's not his game. He's more of a pocket passer, but his movement within the pocket is very good. And he can get out and move. Justin Fields ran a 4-4 the other day. <laughs> Right. right. And it was like a four, four, four. And for adjusted time, it actually turned out to be a four, four, zero. He's got a cannon. He can make any throw on the field. He can threaten the defense in multiple ways. Mac Jones isn't going to compete with that. Zach Wilson is a little bit more of a wild card, but he's got an extremely live arm. Um, and he plays outside the structure better than any quarterback in this draft. The question, just like with Mahomes, is can he play inside the structure? And then if that breaks down at two and a half seconds, can he just go be himself and make those amazing plays? You need to see the first thing out of Zach Wilson. So they have to be comfortable with Wilson or Fields. And I think both of those guys would be amazing in Shanahan's scheme because Shanahan makes great adjustments, right? Would Mac Jones be good in Shanahan's scheme? He actually would because Shanahan's a great coach and he makes adjustments and he's got a running game to support him. And they've got some great offensive talent in San Francisco, right? Well, and that you know, this is why I said that he he only has to be better than Garoppolo, and I I wonder if Jones already fits into that category. And so I'm I'm trying to think of guys as a Seahawks fan. I would root for like I'm going to be happy with if they if they draft ultimately, so I can be happy if it you know if it's Lance or if it's Jones. It sounds like. Yeah, I, I, you know, maybe happier, but the the other thing is Trey Lance's physical skills, his ceiling, his potential is off the charts. It's like prime cam, right? Okay. He's incredible with the ball in his hands. Uh, he's got an extremely live arm. He's shortened up his release, which was one of the things that people bagged on him about. But, you know, if you look at his freshman year, like, Almost nobody puts up a freshman year. He's 28 touchdowns and no interceptions. Like as a freshman. Yeah, that's crazy. It's ridiculous. So he's got a ton of talent. He is the least accurate of the five quarterbacks, if we're including Mac Jones, but the top four, the least accurate. But his physical skills are off the charts. They are equal to a guy like Justin Fields. Now, he does not have the accuracy. He does not have as many reads. You saw that in the one game that he played this year. They basically put up an NFL defense in front of him, and he struggled with it. They post-snap rotations to a single high safety, and he was like, wait a minute. That's not what I saw pre-snap, and and he didn't have a great game. He didn't have a terrible game, but he didn't have a great game. So he's got some growing to do, but his physical skills, his size, his arm, his ability to snap it off, all top flight. So there's the 
<laughs> the sort of underlying kicker that that guy could go hang out for a year behind Garoppolo, Shanahan could mold him and he could come out and be an absolute monster that could compete in the NFC West, which look is full of quarterbacks now. I mean, you know, yeah, I, <laughs> NFC West is a murder. It's, a, com- it's a competitive division, which, yeah, you know, it, it's sure. kind of fun in a way, but you know, it also, I, I just would like to, you know, go to the playoffs every year and have the first seed and, and that sort of thing. And it just doesn't seem like it's in the cards for any NFC West team, but it's fine. funny. You should say cards. I, you know, well, we, we can save that for conversation for another day. I brought you on to talk cornerbacks. Let's do that, EJ. We'll talk about that coming up next. Talking to EJ Snyder of Bootleg Football and Windy City Gridiron. And I, I brought you on, EJ, so we could talk some cornerbacks because, you know, this is this remains a need for the Seahawks. And, you know, what? in fact, it might be. In terms of the positions, you know, they have they're bringing back Ethan Posick at center. I, I could see them needing an upgrade at center, but you know, in terms of corner, uh, you got DJ Reed, who you know he he proved himself to be a starter for the Seahawks. But you know, Akeda Witherspoon, they bring him in, they they pay him, I guess, what would be starter money. I don't know if I'm sold on him being the starter. I don't know if that's what you want to necessarily bank on. Uh, you got Trey Flowers, who's still on the team with Shaquille Griffin leaving. I, I do feel like this is probably the biggest need for Seattle to fill behind. And the one thing that they've never done, though, man, is that they've never picked a corner in the second round. And could this be the year that they see that as the number one need? Find the corner, uh, you know, and and have a pick of of a lot of these skill sets that they look for. Now, you know, the top guy is probably gone by then. but. You know, even when they picked Griffin in the third round, you know, that was a a cornerback heavy draft. And I don't think anybody saw him as, as, you know, one of the top guys. But you look at what Pete Carroll, you know, he's able to bring these guys in and turn them in to to players who go and make money elsewhere. I can see that being appealing for, you know, why they would want to give up on Griffin and, and maybe just go out and do that again this year. They feel like they can for sure, because they have. Um, again, you're not going to hit on everyone, but we were talking about this pre-show that it looked Seahawks corners. There's, there's a mold, right? They like them about six foot or greater. They'll, they'll settle for five eleven, but they really want six foot. What they will not settle for is somebody without length, right? Somebody has 30 and a half inch arms or even 31 inch arms. They're kind of, eh, I don't want that. Right. They want 32 inch arms. They want about six foot. They want mid fours in the 40 let's say four or five is good enough they don't need burners but they need decent speed to carry down the field and they want physical yeah they want physicality they want the ability to press they want to be able to use that length to jack people up on the line of scrimmage and they want that press the ability physically to carry people down the boundary and really push them towards the sideline that's what the defense is built on those are the (laughs) cornerstones of the defense (laughs) and there are guys that fit that, but like you said, they don't invest high round picks and corners. They just haven't. They don't. They continue not to because they think they can find their guys. They think they can find that mold that we just talked about in the mid rounds and lower and then teach them the Seahawk way at cornerback. And they've been doing that for a long time. They notably have a different system than most other folks in the NFL in terms of teaching footwork. Richard Sherman's talked about this at length. And the Seahawks believe that if you give me the building block in the middle rounds, 
and I, I get those boxes checked, I can make that guy into a corner as long as he has the other, you know, attributes we're looking for in terms of head up leadership, you know, being a decent guy, like those are things that the Seahawks look for, but those are the boxes you have to check. And there's a bunch of guys in this draft that fit that profile. Like you said, I don't think this is probably the year that they'd spend a second because the Seahawks pick is lower in the second round. There's about four top guys ish that would fit their mold. They're going to be gone by the time the Seahawks pick in second. So without trading up, and they may Which, even trade down from the second, accumulate more picks. They only <laughs> have three picks going into this draft. So yeah, gosh, you know, go. if you could trade a second and get a couple thirds or something like that, or yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think that's something that's entirely possible. Yeah, with John Schneider, absolutely. Like fits his MO pretty completely. Loves to get more swings because he realizes that they're all lottery tickets and he just wants more chances. And that's a very wise gm strategy we see so many guys including the gm of my favorite team the bears who get locked into their guy and are willing to do anything usually go up and get it moved up to get david montgomery moved up to get anthony miller moved up to get mr trubisky because they were sure that that was the guy sometimes it's worked out for him sometimes it hasn't but it always costs you draft capital Mm -hmm. and it lessens your number of swings over the course of years which you know kind of erodes the base of your team uh schneider's been the opposite schneider's been i'll trade down i'll trade down again i'll trade down again seahawks fans are notorious for yeah, like well we thought we had a trade pick. up and usually when he does trade up it works out pretty well uh, tyler lockett he just got resigned you know jaron yeah, reed I is the guy lockett. he traded up for dk metcalf obviously sure. famously yep, no he's done <laughs> it but if you look at the bulk of his moves yeah. it's down oh, yeah. and it's gathering picks give me more picks give me more picks and then i can use those picks on those selected spots where I say, nope, nope, I see value here, and, and the rest of the league's letting it slip, I'm going to go get them. Exactly. So let's start off talking about some of these corners. There's there's actually three guys from Georgia that I feel like fit into this, uh, you know, in terms of speed and height and arm length, and that's Tyson Campbell, Eric Stokes, DJ Daniel. You know, they may go in differing spots within the draft, but I, I feel like we have three corners here that all – kind of fit those measurables for the Seahawks. Yeah, Stokes was the guy that lit up everybody at the Georgia Pro Day. I was talking about this pre-show that like he ran a 428 uh hand timed and my phone exploded. I was at work and my phone just started going nuts and I looked down and it's like Stokes ran a 428. And of course we found out that everybody runs 42 or 43 this year because <laughs> it's all campus pro days. Right. Uh, but you know those guys are, uh, you know, very fast. They play with length, but the guy that's most interesting to me, a because he's a little more versatile. Is he played some safety? He played more of a star role. If you're talking about the Saban defense, which is the sort of hybrid slot safety corner, and he's got crazy length. Yeah, thirty-three so inch arms. I know. I know you're going to DJ Daniel I, just based I'm on that description. To, I am. I'm going to DJ Daniel because he is a little bit under the radar, and that seems like who the Seahawks are attracted to. They want value. They, they you know, they they want guys that other teams might somewhat overlook. And DJ Daniel is probably that guy. He's probably the third of the guys you listed if you're looking at pure draft valuation. Um, He's and, 5'11". I, I, and I and I hemmed and hawed about including him too because you see a lot of people talking about him maybe moving to safety, but yep. you know when I saw the arm length and yeah, it, I it just seemed like one of those guys that people may be seeing him either at a different position or late in the draft, but a guy that that Pete Carroll may be looking, you know, 
they, I would not be surprised if DJ Daniel ended up a Seahawk for all those reasons. And again, he's third in that rotation. He doesn't have a true position, but honestly, the NFL is moving much more towards positionless defense, especially in the back four or five or six guys. Nickel is the new base. Uh, there's plenty of three safety defenses on third and fourth down that you're seeing. You're going to see more of those. Um, DJ Daniel can play in that sphere right he's got a place he's got a role but it's the 33 inch arms that stick out because he's only 5'11 183 he's not the biggest guy 33 inch arms on a guy 5'11 is just physically that's nuts yeah so i well and i, I thought dj reed was kind of uh we would have multiple djs at corners uh yeah, for the seahawks I, and he doesn't is, have 32 inch arms but you know he's also like 5'9 so uh just for him to even be an outside corner for seattle is unusual yeah it's funny they have their things that they like but they're also willing to go outside for players and that's not just a corner at other positions as well the seahawks are willing to flex when they find somebody that they really think has that trump card within whatever role in the defense especially not so much offense but defense especially the hawks have shown that ability or that sort of bent for years so dj daniel's a fascinating guy if you want to kind of go up in the draft and maybe they're going to invest a little bit more probably not second round maybe because he performed pretty well at his pro day but if you had a melifon from syracuse now this is obi's younger brother obi melifon i remember talking about obi a lot as a potential seahawk yeah my editor when he said a gridiron uh Lester Wilfong Jr. was in love with Obi. He wanted Obi for the Bears so bad. And I was like, you know, boss, he's not really what you think he is. And he was like, no, no, Obi, right? And then, of course, well, he, he was one of those guys who just, I, he was a combine guy that, you know, he, he performed so well and like the broad jump and he had the huge yeah. vertical, right? Tremendous athlete, played at Connecticut, uh, played safety, but had size. And people thought, hey, with this athleticism, we can project the corner. And it just looked like that perfect sort of jack of all trades, neutralizer, matchup eraser, whatever. Like, And people really pushed him into that mold. And you looked at his tape and he was good. He was not a bad football player. He was good. Came in, got injured. Uh, they never really set it on a roll for him. And he never really lived up to it. So I, I still rib Lester about that a lot. But. <laughs> Anyways, his younger brother played at Syracuse, played corner pretty exclusively, outside corner, 6'2", 212. Again, fits that Seahawks mold of tall, physical, 32-inch arms, so he fits that as well. Came out with his pro day and showed better athleticism, I think, than he did on tape even. Um, Ran really quickly, and that's going to push his stock a little bit. So he might sort of end up in that second-round range, Mm. depending, again, if somebody wants him. But I think most people are going to go with the tape and look at, you know, he's got some work to do. But again, I can really see Schneider and Carroll looking at him as a block of clay. And it's better than that. He has good skills now, but a, a physical block of clay and saying he fits our mold. We'll teach him our system. He'll be good for us. Right. He'll do what we need him to do. So he would kind of be the top. Right. He would be sort of like topish third round, middle, middle third round. And again, Everybody's like, oh, Seahawks don't have a pick there. Well, they don't right now, but John Schneider can usually generate some. And their lack of picks is going to be an issue. But if they want to go down a little bit, next guy, actually, it's a pair of guys, I think, um, that are going to be a little bit farther down, end of the third, maybe even beginning of the fourth. And that's Benjamin St. Justy from Minnesota, 6'3", full 6'3", 200, 32-inch arms, very good athlete, 
lacks a bit of a top end, and that makes that actually reminds me of another Seahawks corner. Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman, right? Richard Sherman is famously kind of one speed. He's tremendously technically oriented. He's extremely smart, studies film really well, right? And that's been his hallmark. But you could see it when he started to leg out against, if he lost guys, right? If he lost press against guys that were really fast, you could see there was no second gear. He was he was running as fast as he could run. It was a four, five, five-ish, yeah. right? St. Justy's a little bit faster, but he, again, has that kind of top speed where it kind of tops out. And again, it's probably four, four, five, which is, you know, adjusted about what Richard Sherman ran all those years ago. But I like St. Justy's game. He's really good. Um, Rob Staten, who we talk about all the time and, and who is a tremendous Hawks draft analyst, um, had him on an interview, which was great. He went down to the Senior Bowl as a late ad. <laughs> a funny story, he'd already shipped his stuff to the Hula Bowl. Mm. And uh, Rob, uh, uh, sorry, Jim Nagy, the director of the Senior Bowl, called him and said, hey, can you come to the Senior Bowl as a late <laughs> addition? And he was like, well, that's way better than the Hula Bowl. So he had to have his ship stuff shipped back from the hula bowl to mobile alabama and he he had a great week he was a late ad but he looked like he should have been an early ad he played very very well and i think he's got well enough tools for the seahawks to take a chance on him would not be at all surprised he fits their mold he's physical enough he's not tremendously physical but he's not one of those guys that shies away from contact either and the guy would bracket with him is a really interesting study i just finished my full study of him last week i first made notes about him last year that's israel mukuamu from south carolina Mm. and i made notes about him at corner because i was watching south carolina's defense last year they had several players that ended up in the nfl um and i was like who the hell is this guy he's massive he's you know you can see this guy in the corner it's funny you brought up richard sherman with with the last comp in terms of his makeup speed i noticed that pff their player comp for for Mukuamu is Brandon Browner. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt that at all. Uh, he's a little raw corner, and he was last year as well. But he's really physical. Like he's a guy that will get up and try and smother you in press, and that's rare in college. I mean, a lot of people look at NFL and say, "Oh, that's, that happens every Sunday." It does. It doesn't happen every Saturday. A lot of college players, uh, either because of scheme coaching or just fear. Don't go for full press because you can get absolutely pantsed if you miss press. And so it's not taught in, in a lot of colleges. And you see a guy that actually comes up and physically presses hard in college. It's pretty rare. And he was doing it last year. And I thought, man, he's not great. Like he needs some polish, but he's got tools. He's physical. He's willing to engage. And then this year they moved him to safety and he struggled injury a little bit. He missed a few games and they played him at deep third safety. And he looked really uncomfortable. And I thought, crap, didn't this guy play corner last year? And I went back and I watched his 2019 tape and he was just this ferocious physical corner. And occasionally this year, South Carolina would bring him down in the slot as a matchup racer against a big X or a tight end that had flexed out and he mashed him. And I was like, what are they doing? Why do they have him 15 yards off the ball? He belongs at the line of scrimmage, just smothering people. So Again, I think the Seahawks could see value there, and a lot of people will be off on Mukuamo because of the year he spent at safety, and they're like, he's not a safety, he's not good. If they don't go back to that 2019 tape and really see those reps where he gets up and presses the snot out of people, and I think you know Pete and John could be like, okay, 6'3", he can run, he's physical, like, yeah, right. let's get that guy on one corner. Sure. Uh, and they've done it in the past with a guy like Brown and Browner. So 
Uh, I think Mukuamu is a decent target and maybe again, that's the other thing that John loves is a value, right? He may be undervalued because of the role he played this year and he didn't have great tape this year and he was injured. So again, might be getting him for less and that just lights up John Schneider. Well, there's um, one guy I kind of want to transition to with you talking it. about the senior bowl. Yeah, I, this is a guy who had limited reps at senior bowl. And I, I wonder if that is why he, you know, we're waiting until now to talk about him. And that's Robert Rochelle out of central Arkansas. And mm. I, I suppose a big part of that could be the competition. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was one of one of those guys where you would hope to see him at senior bowl. So you could put him up against some of that top competition. But a guy who, you know, 43 inch vertical at, at six foot, uh, 133 inch broad jump, you know, you look at some of these numbers and you think, man, oh man, if he lasts, you know, if you can find him in the fourth or fifth round, you know, the potential yeah. there for the athleticism is incredible. And I think you will because athletic specimen for sure. I've got him at 5'11, 195, 32 inch arm. So again, he fits that sort of uh, mold that Seahawks are talking about. Jumped out of the gym at the pro day. Uh, highly athletic guy like if you're talking about relative athletic score known as ras he's he's in the nines like and it's on a 10 point scale he's way up there his play doesn't match his athleticism right he shows his athleticism but he he's raw right and, and he that's played why against... i think yeah pair him up with a guy like pete carroll <laughs> absolutely lower in competition if you can get this guy and i think he's gonna be available in the I'd say the low fourth is probably the first place somebody starts looking at him. He could be there in the fifth. He could be there in the sixth. Okay. I don't think he'll be there in the seventh, but just because somebody's going to take a chance right. at that point on special teams value, because he could be a missile for you. Like that's great. Um, but Rochelle's going to hang around a little bit and it's because he played against small school competition and he is, his tape is not ideal. It's not polished. He is a project, but he's got every tool you could possibly want. So definitely a guy to keep an eye on. Well, there's three other guys that I, I had down that I wanted to ask you about. And uh, so before we get out of here, maybe you can, you can pick which one of these guys you like the best. And sure. And the three names that I'm thinking is, well, one is Tay Gowan out of UCF. And I don't think we have his arm length numbers on him yet, but yep. the reason why is, you know, I think of tall corners. I think it's coming from central Florida, which is where Shaquille Griffin played. And, you know, I I just yes, he's only played one year, but man, I I see that uh, one of the stats that jumped out at me is that he only gave up 13 first downs in 12 starts in his his one year. So he didn't play last year with with COVID going on. But yeah, so that was a name that jumped out at me. Ambry Thomas out of Michigan. And then you have the local guy, Keith Taylor out of Washington. Yeah, well, I'll go quickly through them all. Uh, Take Allen opt out. Got to go back to 2019. Again, limited amounts of rep, limited amounts of tape. But if they're looking for a developmental guy that's tall, um, that's that sounds like if that was an NFL stat <laughs> in terms of the first downs, right. you'd draft him in the second round. Uh, in college, there's guys that don't give up a first down for like five games. So Gowan's a guy they could look at. Again, he's going to be available because he didn't play. I'll skip to Keith Taylor, the Husky, the local guy. Um, I like him. He's going to be available later on. He's currently being drafted, if you're talking about mock drafts and public perception, fifth, sixth round, sometimes going undrafted. Mm. Um, he's better than that. 6'2", 191, 31-inch arm, so he doesn't quite make that, but his game is good. I compare him to a sort of, 
don't want to say poor man's. Let's just say a value Benjamin St. Justy. He plays very similarly to him. He's not as good, um, but he's close. And the gap between the two is big. So again, if you're looking for value, if you're looking for familiarity, that's great. Um, and your third guy was Ambry Thomas. Oh, I love Ambry Thomas. Ambry Thomas does not fit your arm length threshold, so you can't have him because the Bears are going to pick him up late <laughs> and he's going to play outside. Another guy that opted out because of COVID, tremendous athlete. Like this guy is being underrated. And Michigan has a lot of these guys. They have a, a guy on the other side of the ball that's almost the exact same thing of a mirror, Nico Collins, right? Nico Collins is a receiver, played for Michigan. Michigan doesn't really typically use its receivers. Uh, Nico Collins lost a little bit of weight, came into the senior bowl lighter and just lit people up. He looked pretty good as a boundary receiver the year before. Nico Collins is a guy that has not yet scratched his surface and pro guys love that, right? You have more ceiling, you have more projection, you have room for growth. And Ambry Thomas is the same way. He's just Nico Collins on defense. Big, tall guy can go down the boundary, super athletic, really physical, not necessarily great at the shorter inside stuff, but down the field, uh, especially along the boundary, he is going to give you trouble. So you guys don't get him because his arms are too short, so he just has to go to Chicago. You know what? I, I'm almost willing to give him up to you, EJ, because the Seahawks <laughs> have not had good luck with Michigan guys for whatever reason. So. I, I know. I really liked Delano Hill, so that's that's my bad. But yeah. um, no, uh, Ambry Thomas is is great. And again, all these guys that opted out are kind of out of the spotlight and everybody's got question marks about, hey, they didn't play this year. Did they get better? Did they get worse? You know, are they committed? There's there's all this random talk about it. And you go back and look at a guy like Ambry Thomas and limited reps last year and you're like, holy cow, that's like that's everything an NFL corner is supposed to be. Um, he's just not quite there yet. He's going to be a tremendous value. I love Emory Thomas. Well, I will be watching him for sure. Just, just to see if he goes with the bears, EJ, and <laughs> man, I really want to thank you for coming on talking draft with me. This is always fun to do. And man, you are crushing it with bootleg football. If people want to go and check that out, what you've doing, you, you have so much planned here for this month leading up to the draft. Where do people go and how do they get involved? Absolutely. Check it out on YouTube. It's bootleg football podcast. Uh, we have some tremendous draft focused interviews. We just dropped our first one today with Brandon Thorne, who is an offensive line genius. As far as I'm concerned, um, great episode with him. We talked about some offensive gems and defensive gems. Those have been getting a ton of views. So uh, that's Brett Coleman and I's channel still doing the bears over beers things with Jeff Burkus. And uh, yeah, just all month long, we're going to have draft focused stuff. We're doing draft focused Q&A live streams every Friday. That's again on the YouTube channel. Just opened up the bootleg football store so people can get their stuff there as well. But uh, what we're really building up to is basically live stream throughout the draft. Brett and I did this last year for all three days, day one, day two, day three, pretty much uh, pick by pick commentary uh, all day long with plenty of hijinks and some fun guests. So that's, that's really the big kicker. And then I'll, uh, I don't know, sleep for three days. <laughs> well, that's a lot of work coming up, but looking forward to it. And yeah, maybe we'll even have you on uh, as we did last year for some live. Oh, that was updates. so much fun. I would love to do that again. That was, uh, those were some of my favorite spots from last year. Well, if you know what I will, you sent me a bootleg football shirt Every Seahawks fan, get one in your Seahawks colors. I will, you know, if we're going to do this, then on draft day, EJ, then I will be, I will be wearing my bootleg football shirt 
during that's the cool. Draft. I will actually send you one of the new ones because we've switched vendors. Oh, and I actually feel bad. Like the ones I <laughs> sent everybody were good. These ones, I just got mine uh, last Saturday. I got my first promo pack. They're really nice. Like the new ones are really nice. Nice enough that I think the old ones aren't great. So uh, <laughs> if we do the draft thing, I will send you a fresh uh, Seahawks shirt because they're 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 slick. They're All right. Nice. I will take you up on that. He's EJ Snyder of Bootleg Football. Appreciate you coming on. I am, I'm looking forward to talking more draft leading up to the end of this month. Until next time, go Hawks.